Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Help on the Way podcast, where we are featuring August 25th, 1993, from a little venue known as the Shoreline Amphitheater in Mountain View, California. I am your co-host, The Game, here with my fellow co-hosts, Knob and Fig. Let's go ahead and give them a beautiful Southern California hello, friends. Hello, beautiful friends. Southern California hello, friends is shoreline amphitheater in mountain view california actually in southern california <laughs> or is shoreline it... is is uh, on the bay right no shoreline i think is a um san francisco thing like is it not, yeah, around the bay yeah like san francisco bay kind of thing for as much as i love the san francisco area i should probably know that i'm gonna get i'm gonna get barred on this and to oh. confirm Just go ahead or I'll just Google it. Or we could do that as well. Mark's <laughs> just going to tell you. I Google yeah, it. It's a venue in Actually, I have California, a... you know. It'll tell when, we you talk, when we talk about where is this? Oh, it's in Seattle. What? No, no. it's not. No, it's not. Art. <laughs> AI has gone real, real downhill on a Shoreline, Washington. Shoreline Theater. Let's just go to California. Let's Shoreline Amphitheater. Maps. Mountain View, California. Here we go. It is yeah. yes. I would say no. I it's it's <laughs> it's no it's Northern California. Yeah, it's on the bay, right? Yeah. It is on the bay. It is near San Francisco. It's near Oakland. Okay. Okay. So uh, everything Salinas. I said before the stupid stuff is smart. So. Well, uh, at least we had fun looking at a map. Yes. Maps are cool. Maps are fun. Uh, and you have now officially tuned into the Topography Podcast with my friends, <laughs> Rob and Fig, as well. The, um, the Topog pod. The Pog. Ooh, yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll let you try to figure out the proper the pod pod. title. Pog oh, pod. I like it. I'm, I can never say that because I just, my, my Schuylkill <laughs> County tongue just don't work that way. But okay. I don't think we're going to rebrand this whole show to be about topography. <laughs> I don't know, man. I could be wrong. I've been wrong before, once or twice. Before we dive into our main event, uh, which was once again August 25th, 1993, Doorline Amphitheater, which just so happens to be in Northern California, we are going to kick off our Channel 6 news segment. And while there's not too many traditional news stories this week in the world of Grateful Dead or Dead and Company, uh, there is a summer tour going on, and we are officially three shows into the summer tour, um, not counting Jazz Fest and Cornell as a part of said summer tour. Uh, We have had, um, as of this recording right now, when you listen to this, there'll be a few shows in. Uh, But currently, as of this recording, we have listened to, uh, or have gotten, rather, uh, the May 19th and 20th show from the Forum in Los Angeles, California, as well as the May 23rd show in Phoenix. Um, Coming up, the next three shows for Denton Company would be May 26th in Dallas, May 28th in Atlanta, and May 30th in Charlotte, 
North Carolina. Um, I would say personally that it's a pretty hot start for yeah. um for the Dead and Company Summer Tour. Um, maybe if I would go back and look at all my thoughts on on the third or fourth show into Summer Tour's past, I might have the same opinion. Um, but I would say overall, um, I would say community engagement on Reddit is up. Um, especially for West Coast shows, I would say. It seems like they're yeah. very, very active threads when I look at them at 2 in the morning. A courtesy um, of, um, well, some of them courtesy of our co-host, Nob. Yes, he, uh, yes. Nob is the set list. Um, the man, the myth, the legend. I don't know. Yeah, there. there's no title for it, and there's no way. There's nothing. I can't <laughs> You're like the master like, of ceremonies. Job, but I've put a lot of effort into it. It's a bullet point on your resume, my friend. Um, yeah, ma- master of ceremonies. Community engagement towards. Absolutely. But like we, an American rock band. The number of eyeballs. <laughs> don't don't discount yourself. You 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 got a lot of pull on certain circles. That's true. That's true. I think I'm going to start a Reddit post after we're done recording tonight. Who is your favorite um, set list a moderator? Uh, just to start infighting within the set list moderator community oh, of no, the Grateful Dead subreddit. Deer Creek. Everyone except <laughs> me is going to Deer Creek, and they'll all start fighting each other. Did you see this? Dob has 47 upvotes. Taco has three. Damn it. Oh, and if I didn't <laughs> get the hit that would do to my psyche, I... <laughs> Oh, you would win. It, I don't. I don't oh, think. Well. Even even when yeah, you aren't running are like it, personal friends of mine. So I feel weird <laughs> saying that. I even smoke weed with some of these people. Oh, I don't feel weird saying it. Even even when you're not running the thread, you're still running the thread. Yeah, I agree with that a little bit. A little you bit. know, like it's you're all, it's you're all still... derived from the the mind of the weird mind of knob. The, the thread of knob of is. Knob. The, the thread of knob is weaved for about three months now planning all this shit out <laughs> all i gotta know is is what kind of shirt bobby's wearing tonight and i'm good to go who needs oh. to care about bobby's hat or billy's hat anymore <laughs> it's it is um <laughs> do you have um because fig i don't believe you've listened to too much of the first three shows because of said uh need for sleep yes yes yeah, and west coast start times 30 or 11 o'clock our time um knob do you have any standouts for the first three shows yeah i mean i'll i'll echo the opinion that i think they've come on really hot this this summer tour i do think having jazz fest and cornell as sort of warm-up shows uh brought gave them a real confidence that they brought in and those los angeles shows are very good the uh the St. Stephen deal, oh, St. Stephen the Eleven deal was really cool uh, in one of those nights. I think it was night one. Um, I was very impressed with the, the bird song in night two in Los Angeles. But for me, it, the night that really wowed me was Phoenix. Um, not only was the set list very good, there was great playing throughout between the Dark Stars, the Cumberland, the Casey Jones, the Death Don't Have No Mercy. Like Even songs that I was a little skeptical about uh, were really good, like the Alabama Getaway. Um, I, I generally think with this band, and most jam bands, even though some jam band fans will tell you that their jam band is not included in this group, but they are, and I'm including the ones I like. Um, it usually takes them a couple of nights to get back in the swing of things. Um, you know, 
rehearsing helps a lot, but there is a comfortability of not only playing off each other, but also playing off the audience. And to me, Phoenix is the first night of this tour tour where the magic was really happening. Uh, I'm going to echo your statements. Um, Los, both Los Angeles shows were good. Um, great, even. Yeah. Uh, but the Phoenix one definitely stood out um, compared to the three of them um, as the standout show of the three. Uh, it will be interesting. Um, they can't all be amazing shows, right? No. Um, so looking at the next three... If I have a quote-unquote, I do think there's going to be a clunker. And I can even, to give you a guess of what clunk show I think is going to be a clunker, uh, in my opinion, it's going to be the May 30th Charlotte show. I was going to say the exact same thing. (laughs) They always bring it to Atlanta. I've never heard a bad Dead & Co. show in Atlanta. Um, They're not all great, but they're all at least very good. I think they're going to come in with some really good energy for Dallas, but I, it being in Charlotte on a Tuesday evening, I could imagine it being the clunker. But I probably well, would have said that about Phoenix going into last week. And Phoenix blew me away. So you, it goes to show you don't ever know. Indeed. It's also the Tuesday after Memorial Day, which is mm. a strange time to hit. But, you know, mm. never miss a Tuesday show. That's true. That's true. That's what they I, say. I'm personally... Um, Probably personally looking forward to the 28th Atlanta show the most, just because um, as a big race fan um, of any kind of automobile car racing, um, the 28th is a massive day uh, for motorsports. Um, It's like the crown jewel of of motorsports racing the entire day from like nine in the morning all through the day. So that's just cherry on the top for me um, to to end it with a little day. Yeah, li- literally, and like I'll be, I'll be watching a race and the concert at the same time, uh, which I'm pretty excited for. Uh, and I hope also, the band has one of those little TVs on the stage, like they did for that one playing in the sand show when the 49ers were in the playoffs. I, I it a would TV off stage that the members just kept looking to the side <laughs> to see, and then they'd go back to jamming. If 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 Bobby comes out and is like Kyle Larson just took the lead of the Coke <laughs> 600, I'd be like, yeah. Uh, I don't think that'll happen, but you never know. You never uh, know. And this is this means nothing really, but Dallas always Dallas. gets some always gets some pretty stellar poster artwork. Yeah. Um, one of their posters was my cell phone background for the longest time, um, and I just saw, I believe, a teaser of their upcoming poster on Instagram, and it seems to be in that same style. Um, so I'm very, very much looking forward to that. But anyway, I like that, I like that Phoenix poster. Yes, yeah, the Phoenix kind of was very good. Yes, that was the best one so far. Phoenix really just kind of came out of nowhere for being like was, this. Like it was the gold bond powder. I <laughs> can you explain that reference for those of us who were asleep? Yeah. So this, this, I swear to God, happened. <laughs> so they finished playing. Uh. Oh, one of the songs. Ramble on Rose, maybe? Uh, and then they're about to start the next one, and then Bob kind of turns around, because Mickey and Mayer are talking to each other. And Bobby's like, oh, they're having a conversation. So Bobby goes back and, like, listens. And then he goes back up to the mic, and he just goes, I just heard the word nether regions. And everyone's like, what the 
the hell are they talking about? And then Mayer goes up to the mic and goes, look, we don't keep any secrets in this band from you, the audience. What's going on is I gifted everyone in the band a case of gold bond powder, and we're simply enjoying its effects. <laughs> and then Bob chimes in with, well, most of us, just to make it clear that he's not wearing gold bond powder, which I cannot stress how beautiful of a detail to the story that is. But yeah, it's one of the chattiest bits of stage wow. banter I've ever heard about Dead they did that. And it's about the powder that they put on their nether regions. It was crazy. Wow. Wow. Um, I don't know. And what to my favorite part maybe during this was when John was describing the fact that, like, yes, I did buy my bandmates gold bond powder. You could see Mickey pretty much just fist pumping in the background <laughs> as he is so happy like he has never felt so good before and like and I truly needed to ask other people are you seeing this as well yeah and, and it kind of makes me wonder maybe if john would have would have gave uh the gold bond out during playing in the sand maybe billy would still be in the band <laughs> you know you know it's hawaii he's used to humidity Maybe it would have changed Billy's life. But I guess we'll never know. Um, moving on from the Dead and Company tour, as well as the Adventures of Gold Bond. Um, just yesterday, uh, from our recording date, which was May 24th, 1970, a gentleman by the name of Robert Hunter had himself quite the little afternoon. Um, some might call it a golden afternoon. Um, so on... not, that's not a gold bond reference. <laughs> is just... it? <laughs> you, you know, look, but this is a thread. song that Robert Hunter would have written if he did have the gold bond. A gold that bond been, afternoon. That's been the fourth song. <laughs> yes, a gold bond afternoon. Um, to the to the to the to the sounds of Corina. <laughs> would be cold bond <laughs> afternoon. Um, on May twenty fourth, nineteen seventy, Robert Hunter wrote three songs. You might have heard of them if you enjoy uh, music of the Grateful Dead. Uh, those three songs were "Ripple," "Broke Down Palace," and "To Lay Me Down." Um, Amazing. That's a pretty damn good afternoon in songwriting, right there. <laughs> I think I've written three songs in my life. And they're not good. And this guy did three in in a day, and uh, they're all timers. Yeah, I have. Hey, what um, you will about that, Robert Hunter? But he was very good at songwriting. I understand that. I have zero song credits under my belt, so. And we'll we'll have a little Robert Hunter, uh, song discussion a little bit later in the chat. Would um. Would these three songs be considered his best? I mean, I mean you, gotta put, you gotta put Terrapin up there. That yeah, whole, I mean, I'd the put him up there, but between Box of Rain, Terrapin, China Doll, I'd even put the lyrics A Touch of Grey up there, if I'm honest with you. But they all capture kind of an essence that's different than, than the songs Nob just kind of uh, mentioned. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Know, there, there's kind of a maudlin kind of a bittersweet uh element to, to all those songs um 
so whatever was going on in his life in May 24th, 1970, wasn't that around the time like Jerry's mom died? Like, wasn't there other stuff happening? Oh, maybe. Can, like, uh, I trust you on that. All right, we'll just go. I with feel that. comfortable speculating. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I do like a little bit of speculation on this show. Alas, Bard. Oh, it does. Jerry's mother died in Seattle in 2017. <laughs> At the Shoreline Amphitheater. Mary Garcia. <laughs> she is known for her son, who is named after an ice cream. <laughs> okay, so moving on to... I, I'm looking at the... Um, sorry for that, that little brief pause. I'm just looking at the Dead Company Phoenix poster again. So cool. and that really That's like is... a magic eye. You just gotta keep... Yeah! Scrolling. I, I actually just noticed now. It's funny you say that. Um, I literally just noticed the little like owl sitting yeah. on top of it's like the cactus. Owl. Yeah. Um, it's also the name of my like rock band. I like it. I was gonna thought you were gonna say, say something else. Three songs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they're all like eighteen minutes, so like. You know, sure. Sure. Um, anyway, moving on to this week's main event which was August 25th, 1993, Shoreline Amphitheater, Mountain View, California. Um, I was going to go right into uh, set one, and we can just dive in and start giving our thoughts here. Uh, set one kicked off with Touch of Grey, Into Greatest Story Ever Told, Peggio, uh, the same thing, Ugh. Uh, Friend of the Devil, uh, Easy Answers, So Many Roads, and Promised Lands. Uh, Fig. What were your thoughts on set one? Um, I think I like set two better, but um, I just went ahead and ruined another portion of this program. <laughs> um, uh, so there were a number of sources available on the archive for this one. Uh, the best one that I heard was the Charlie Miller soundboard. Uh, there was a uh, Charlie Miller and Sir Mick Odd that I did not get a chance to listen to. But, um, so I can't uh, comment on that. There was a Matrix that was not very good. Uh, also, at the very end, I don't know if you guys heard this if, or if it was just the source I was listening to, but at the very end of set two, like the last three songs or so, yeah, there Bobby were... was having some guitar issues. Oh, so that came from the stage. Okay. I think so. It sounded you, you like it right. was Bob's guitar. Something was up there. Yeah, some, yeah, like, so there were some, like, really bad electronic sounds coming out. And honestly, I just ended up having to skip things. Uh, the other cool thing I'll, I'll note is that my brother, um, I would say friend of the pod, but he hates the Grateful Dead. Um, <laughs> my brother gave me his uh, old bookshelf speaker, so I got like an upgrade on my uh, little speaker sitch and sounded really good. Some good low end, and which was great because this was an awesome Phil um, night, which also kind of ruins another segment down the line. Um, but Phil was front and center in the, in the Miller, uh, in, in the Miller source, in the Miller mix. So uh, definitely something to check out. Uh, Touch start off a bit rough, but Vince, to his credit, does try to sell it. It ends with like the most bummy bum note that you could ever possibly imagine. I think no one knew how to actually end the song, and they all played a different note. And it's such a you know great you know uplifting song for it to end like that was kind of rough. Uh, we get into greatest story ever told. Uh, listen to that one for some awesome Jerry noodling. Peggio had a really good tempo, had a galloping pu pulse. I really like Vince's tone. He kind of had this like saloon kind of uh, piano uh, player in the saloon feel. 
And then at the very end of it, it's kind of interesting. They they're they know they they're going into the same thing, which is their big blues number for the the first set, and they're riffing on you know some blues scales. And I thought those riffs were more interesting and and more awesome than what they went into, which was the same thing, which has one hook and it's make a man go crazy. Um, it wasn't a bad version of that song. It's just not that great of a song. I just wrote it was just okay. Uh, friend of the Devil. This is a slow friend of the Devil. Uh, Jerry just sounds really old. Um, he was in his like early fifties at this time. He sounds like he's like eighty-five years old. In Friend of the Devil, um, his vo- his vocals throughout the night were kind of off and on. Sometimes he sounded just amazing. Sometimes he sounded just like he was on mm-hmm. knocking on heaven's door to speak. Nice. Hey, um, really liked uh, how Phil was um, uh, sounding coming out of my new bookshelf speakers on his descending bass lines on Friend of the Devil. Really cool stuff. Um, I I didn't write anything for easy answers, but I did write it as queasy answers, so that might explain how I felt about that. Uh, We get into so many roads, and I'm going to... I'll just... uh, Let me do the last song of the set, which was Promised Land first, and we'll go back to so many roads, because I have a discussion point. Uh, So the last song of the first set was Promised Land. Uh, Vince actually took two solos, I believe, and they're both great. And I really like Jerry's verses uh, noodling uh, during the verses, just like I liked his noodling in story. Back to so many roads. So Jerry, his voice now sounds incredible. Uh, the lozenge of destiny worked is what I wrote. The discussion point I have is, um, could so many roads have been a single? And, you know, a little bit of backstory before, you know, we discussed that is I went to Bard because I was like, did we, did the Grateful Dead actually you know, ever uh, issue So Many Roads as a single. Mm-hmm. And Bart answered, no, So Many Roads was never a Grateful Dead single. So, okay, great. Thanks for that good information. It then continues. It was released on the album From the Mars Hotel in 1974. Sure. <laughs> um, which is completely wrong. Um, and it also says that it was, um, it's a popular song, uh, which is subjective. Um, that has been covered by many artists, including Bob Dylan, which I don't know enough, uh, you know, no. to uh, cast aspersions to. So my question to you all is, could So Many Roads have been a single? A Grateful Dead single? My initial gut answer was no, but as I'm looking at, because the Dead were considering an album in the, the mid-90s that would have had So Many Roads and Liberty and Eternity and Samba in the Rain and Karina and Days Between, like all of those songs. God. And that's the thing. I don't know what is the single there. So many roads would probably be a good second single. I feel like you'd yeah. want something peppier for the first single, but what do they have? Yeah, like I'm not putting out Samba in the Rain or Way to Go Home as a single. Karina. You just bummed me yes. out with that. Yeah. Liberty? Maybe. I don't even know. Yeah. I don't know. I do uh, think so, so many roads would make a weird first impression for a new album, but it would make a good second single. Game. I think so. Um, I guess it's hard for me to think of any like Grateful Dead songs as singles, mm-hmm. but they definitely were, and <laughs> they definitely are. I mean, Dark Star uh, was a single, so <laughs> yeah. Um, it's catchy. It's it's catchy enough. Well, that's my point. There's there's and so many hooks. 
There are so many hooks throughout that song. Um, melody I, lines and the great I, guitar solo. And, and then the build at the end is fantastic, too. I mean, they'd have to condense it, probably. I don't know if I've ever heard. Yeah. Do they ever record this? Like in the No, studio? that one never oh, got. They never quite. Very few songs that were planned for that album ever like actually got the studio treatment because they kept trying to drag Jerry into the studio and then he wouldn't actually do it. Um, you have the studio rehearsals of Days Between, uh, but nothing too much. But they always released weird things. Like Foolish Heart was the single off Built to Last. So anything's possible. That's a great song. I mean, great it's a single. great song. I don't, I don't know. Weird, I... it, it was not going to be the next touch of gray like the record company wanted it to be. Mm, yeah. Okay, well, that's my take and my discussion point about So Many Roads. Knob, uh, take it away. Sure. Um, I think we disagree in some fundamental ways, but generally agree in the, the smaller ways. Um, because I thought set one was the stronger set of the two, uh, if I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I do agree that it had a rocky start in the form of Touch of Grey, and I'd even include the greatest story ever told in there. I think both songs, when they kind of get going, have really fun moments. You know, the groove is good, but there's just some rocky starts and stops, and kind of a limp tone from Jerry on the greatest story ever told. Uh, I definitely want a little more bite to his sound there. Um, I really enjoyed the Peggio. I thought it was very jaunty. It was almost too fast at times. I was worried it was going to trip over its own feet, but that never really happened. They were keeping it up, and I was very impressed with that. Now, I've been on the record saying that the same thing is my least favorite of the Bobby Blues songs, and I still agree with that. But I thought this same thing was actually very good. Um, I think, with all of the Bobby Blues songs, Nine times out of ten, they aren't good. But once in a while, you catch that one out of ten that is so good that it makes you understand why they try all of the bad versions of this song. And this version of the same thing makes me understand why I have to keep hearing it in 1994. Um, an awesome, awesome Vince keyboard solo. Uh, you know, again, it's not a great song. And... Bobby's never going to fully sell it because he's a good bluesman, but he's not a great bluesman. Um, but it was, it was, I really enjoyed it. I, I'll stand by this, the same thing. Um, it was a very pretty Friend of the Devil. There were some nice harmonies from Vince, especially. Uh, if it wasn't for Jerry's, like, aged voice, you could probably pass this off as an early 90s, or uh, early 80s uh, Friend of the Devil. It was pretty. It didn't really blow me away. I did not think I was going to say this when, uh, when I first started listening to this show. But Easy Answers is my favorite song in set one. Um, I'm not an Easy Answers person. I'll be the first to say that. I tend to prefer Karina if I have to go with a 90s Bob song. And generally, I don't go with a 90s Bob song. But I really thought this was a good Easy Answers. It was a, a strutting down the street kind of tempo to it. It yeah. just had a really good energy. Yeah, it I hear that. didn't sound like shit. Easy Answers often sounds like shit. But this not only didn't sound like shit, but I thought it was good. Um, uh, I, 
don't agree with that, but okay, <laughs> it was strutting. I, I agree with that. Sure, it's sure. Very descriptive. Um, yeah, I don't know if we needed two Jerry Slow songs in this first set, but I did like the So Many Roads. There was like a weird flow to having both Friend of the Devil and So Many Roads so close to each other, but they were both good. <laughs> I liked the So Many Roads. Uh, there was a very nice emotionality to it, and some really strong Jerry and Bob harmonies. I was yeah. I was very into it. Uh, a competent, if kind of uninspiring, closer from Promised Land, but it's fun. Like it's not bad. There's just nothing that made me go, yeah, that was awesome. But the fact that there was nothing bad, again, you grade some '90s dead songs on a curve. And the fact that I was not actively turned off by this promised land was enough for me. Um, yeah, I generally enjoyed this set outside of its rocky start. I thought it was a lot of fun throughout. What did you think, game? Um, so I'm going to disagree with the rocky start. Um, huh? I I really like Touch of Grey. Um, I thought it was a good opener. Um, my rocky start came with greatest story ever told. Um, mm -hmm. And it wasn't really even Jerry's tone. Um, I'm 97% sure um, Vince joins Bobby in the vocals <laughs> on on yeah. some of the oh, lines. Yeah. And the very first one might have been the left hand monkey wrench one. Excuse me. And it was awful. Yeah. Um, it, it, I changed it straight away because I'm like, you just ruined the whole damn thing for me. Yeah. Uh, the very first note I have for greatest story ever told was not Vince's best harmony night. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> Peggy O, great. Um, same thing, trash. Um, Friend of the Devil, good. Easy answers, great. I agree. Um, yeah, I liked it. I liked it a lot, and I don't know why. <laughs> I don't oh, know why. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Because you don't believe in the easy answer. Um, we could was... just say it's bad and it's cheesy, but you oh. get it. You get it. <laughs> Promises yeah. made in the dark dissolved by light of day. You're, it's speaking my language. You it's... don't have to say a word. You don't got dick to say. <laughs> Robert Hunter wrote those words. Um, so many roads, good. Um, Promised Land, good. Um, I don't know if I preferred set one over set two, which is a segment coming nice. up. Nice. Um, now we've got some suspense built in. Because... Greatest story and same thing really took me out of it. Uh, but way better than anticipated. Way better. Um, let's keep the positivity up and go into our set two review. Uh, set two kicked off with a song known as Scarlet Begonias into Fire on the Mountain. Ooh. Then we got Estimated Profit into Terrapin Station. <laughs> Terrapin Station, Station. Uh, into into Drums in Space. Then we got All Along the Watchtower, Addicts of My Life, Sugar Magnolia, and an encore of Fig's favorite song, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Knob. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you uh, you did set one second that first, so why don't you do set two first this time? Boom. Thank you. That is the format of the show. <laughs> um, We've been doing this for two years now. <laughs> hell yeah, hell yeah. Um, I didn't I didn't like set two as much, but it's just because I thought it was more up and down in my opinion. 
There was a lot of good within set two, don't get me wrong, but again, just a little more up and down. Um, a very heady five-minute tuning break to start set two. Um, I got tricked into listening to that because I was like, eh, it'll just be like a minute. And I was like <laughs> walking. And then time had passed. I was like, we can't still be tuning. And I was three minutes and 45 seconds into a five-and-a-half-minute tuning break. And I was like, they got By me. By the way, one of the songs that I wrote, one of the three, is just me tuning. Good, good. Yeah. So, continue. I can't believe the Grateful <laughs> Dead ripped you off. Uh, yeah, um, I'm expecting royalties, really. Uh, I like the Scarlet Fire. The Scarlet is fun. It's got a really good groove to it. There's not a lot to differentiate the verses of Scarlet. Verse 1 still sounds like verse 5 to me. And I, you know, I like a little bit of movement within a song. But once the jam starts, once we get to the riff, it really does get cooking. Uh, Jerry's tearing it up and a nice lively counter melody from Phil. Jerry's solo on Scarlet Begonias is probably my favorite of his all night. Um, and I'm including when it gets weird and midi. Like, it goes everywhere and it's good the whole time. I really liked it. Um, I do think, though, I liked The Fire on the Mountain better. There's a great groove from the band. Everyone is bringing their all, even if Jerry does not know all of the words to the song. Um... <laughs> There's just a better control of dynamics here. And I think that's just because they have multiple jams throughout the song rather than one big jam at the end of the song like Scarlet Begonias. But it just feels like we get taken to more places in this fire on the mountain. Profit is a low point of the show for me. I really like Estimated Profit, but I, I do not like this Estimated Profit. Um, they, Jerry and Bob both seem to get lost at different points. Jerry does not nail the lick in the, the instrumental bit that's just playing arpeggios of the chorus of Terrapin Station, or of, of, of Estimated Profit. Sorry, I've jumped ahead. Uh, this is also the first number of the night where the midi horns bug me. It sounds bad. I don't have... Okay. Have y'all ever played Wii music? I have not. Ooh, not it was a music, game no. that came out in about 2008, 2009, and it was like a rhythm game, but instead of like just hitting buttons to do the notes like Guitar Hero, you had to shake your Wii remote when a note happened. And it had like however many songs, and you could pick whatever instruments you wanted. And sometimes you would get these really cool, basical rearrangements of songs. And sometimes you and your family couldn't shake your Wii remote on beat, and you would just get random noises that, if we're being polite, didn't sound like the song. This is a Wii music-ass estimated profit. I, <laughs> when those horns came in, I truly had a flashback to butchering Please Mr. Postman with my parents. Um, anyway, that aside, like, it just, it kept going in and out of sounding good. Like, it would yeah, be but... a good profit for a minute and a half, and then it would sound like dog shit. And then it would be a good profit again. And then it would sound like dog shit. And I just couldn't... I had, Oh, it didn't do it for me. Doesn't it get points for bringing up a beloved childhood memory? I mean, like, playing Wii um, music with my parents? Like, that'd be awesome, I think. You no, I mean, it was a nice memory. The music didn't sound nice. <laughs> and I didn't need Vince putting his elbow on the keyboard with the horn setting on to remind me of that. Uh, um, yeah. Not and and you know more seriously the um, 
like the lower register of the keyboard with that MIDI setting, it just sounds yeah. like a turd or yes. getting yes. ready to make a turd. Yes. Yes. And that's, yeah, that, yeah, it was yeah. a Wii Music Ass estimated profit. Um, I will say that the estimated into Terrapin might be the transition of the night. That was the one that I found myself going, ooh, okay, very nice, gentlemen. Um, it was a very dreamy Terrapin. This Terrapin is definitely one of my set two highlights. Just everything works. Uh, everybody is playing it well. The hits are all right. It's just every note is correct and Jerry sounds good. And that's all I really needed. And then I really enjoyed when the jam left the Terrapin riff and just kind of flew away to do its own thing. I really, I really liked Terrapin. I'll speed through the rest of the show because I spent a lot of time hating on Estimated Profit. Um, I, it was a good, if uneventful, drums. I probably could have skipped it at the weird swirly part without missing much. Um, okay, this is going to be a dorkier comparison than the Wii Music thing from a couple minutes ago. But... <laughs> The space, it just sounded to me like it, okay. Like it just sounded like an old, like 80s Doctor Who score. It had this like tense, sinister synth sound. Yeah. And no, it, it went to a lot of different places texturally, but it always sounded like an evil computer. That was always the image that I had in my brain. It's like a sci-fi story where the bad guy is a giant computer. And like one of those 80s computers where it's all like tapes and shit. Um, and then it got like a little sneaky as we moved to Watchtower. And that was fun. And then this is where Bob starts having his, his tech issues for the rest of the night. It never lasts that long, but those, those sounds do take you out of it. Yeah. Um, Pretty loud. Out, yes, yes. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> um, outside of the guitar... I will say it's a strong watchtower. There's some energetic vocals, and I do like when Bob seems to stop playing, and there's a nice jam between Jerry soloing and Vince accompanying him with the organ. That sounded really nice. And Kreutzmann was really feeling it. Uh, it never quite found a, a peak. I wouldn't call this a highlight of the night, but it was a really strong watchtower. I was actually very impressed with this addicts of my life. I don't think Live Dead has ever nailed Addicts, and this is still true, but generally, I thought this was a good Addicts. It had a really great emotionality, and there was no huge clunker chord that made me go, ah, what the hell are you doing? There were other songs this night that gave me that feeling, but Addicts of My Life is not one of them. I was very impressed. Wings to Fly was, re was really good, too. Yeah, yeah, they, they were yeah, into it. Sword. It was... Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then kind of a limp sugar mag to bring it home. There was nothing wrong with it. It just was a little slow and it never really wowed. Um, it might have been the mix just felt a little weird on that one, but I, I wasn't too into it. And then, I mean, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds sucked. Like, I, I, I have more eloquent things to say, but it, I just need it to be known that it sucked. They could not agree on a tempo. Jerry does not sound good. At least Vince is having fun on the keys. But I was walking down the street and that first Lucy in the Sky with, Di Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds harmony started. And I genuinely covered my mouth because I, it got an ugly cackle out of me and I didn't want people to stare. Like it was awful. 
this is how most Grateful Dead addicts of my life sound. Like, it sucks, but I kind of appreciate it that it sucks in a fun way. I like this more than Prophets or uh, Touch of Grey. Like, there are definitely, it's probably worse than the Touch of Grey, but I like it more because I enjoyed how bad it was. Um, and I appreciate that the Miller soundboard just stops halfway through this Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, because, yeah, if I were running the soundboard, I'd start unplugging my equipment during this. <laughs> I don't, I wouldn't need all of this on tape. Um, so yeah, I, set two was more up and down, but I liked a lot of it. The Terrapin Station, the Attics, the, the Scarlet Fire. Anyway, I'm done hearing me talk. What did you think, Fig? Okay, um, I don't have as much to say. Um, <laughs> but, um, I will say that the Scarlet Fire really grew on me. I listened to it probably three times, and the first time I didn't like it. And the second time I started having a little bit of things to say. And the third time I had a lot of, a lot of fun with it. It was a very fun version. Um, I think Phil had a lot to do with it. I think, uh, like, like I said before, he was very up in the mix. And definitely, uh, to start here, set two, he was as well. Um, we got a weak first verse from Jerry. But once the instrumentals start going, um, it starts getting fun. Uh, the jam I wrote was fun, but not mind-blowing. Uh, but then at one point, I wrote that it sounds like they're actually listening to each other, which is mm -hmm. you know, surprising for a, uh, for a 90s show, because uh, they were kind of uh, riffing off each other and, and playing around with each other in the jam. And it was actually kind of cool to hear, like, just doing different kind of rhythmic things that you could tell that they were you know, trying to make it fun. And it was. Fire had a um, very good... Uh, powerful vibe, just like a very, like, I think it must have been the rhythm uh, was kind of chugging ahead. I wrote, the first time I listened to it, I said it doesn't really go anywhere. But the next couple of times I wrote that, um, I like this more and more as I listened to it. This one really grew on me. So, estimated, yeah, I agree with you. I didn't have much to say about that. It, it really didn't capture me whatsoever. Terrapin, I thought, was good. Um, however, I didn't, didn't really write much for it. Uh, drums I actually listen to, and if you can get past the first five minutes, it actually starts getting a little bit interesting. It turns into uh, Gamelan-style bell music, which I think is cool. And then later, you get the beam come out, and the beam sounded really cool in my new speakers. Thanks again, my brother. Uh, and Space, I actually wrote was okay. I actually was listening to it. I agree with what you said. It did get a little, like, um, I don't know, playing like a, uh, a point and click adventure game on on yeah. my dad's old computer uh and it's a spooky part and you know the the boops and beeps coming out of out of the uh motherboard's speaker um definitely and now you've pulled up a cherished childhood memory thank you see that's why i vote <laughs> set two <laughs> thank you whatever um, the hell vince welnick was doing vince works in mysterious ways that might be a show title as well all right, so we get into Watchtower, which was, uh, I mean, it was okay. I, I mean, it was unfortunate that you couldn't hear much, uh, or, or that there were those uh, very upsetting sounds coming from Bobby's uh, gear, because I just had to skip it. And and also, with only one guitar going, so I guess, I guess Jerry had to play the rhythm, since Bobby Bobby's gear was blowing up. And it's just like, not an interesting rhythm to hear from Jerry. Um, mm -hmm. Very, very repetitive. Um, we get to Addicts, and yeah, I thought it was a really good version. Uh, the harmonies were great, uh, which is, you know, something I usually harp on, you know, um, 
and something I'm usually critical about, but here in Attics, it was awesome, and the Wings to Fly, like I said earlier, was great. Yeah, Sugar Mag, I don't have much for Lucy in the Sky, I don't think I even bothered. I may listen to it once and was just like, yep, that happened. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's set two of Shoreline, August 25, 25th, 1993. Game, what are your thoughts? Um, Scarlet Fire was good. Estimated was good. Terrapin, good. Start off, great. Four in a row. Uh, then we go downhill for me. Uh, drums, meh. Did you well. listen? A little bit. And oh, I, you can't miss something you didn't listen. Oh, I can. <laughs> Put on shenanigans on that. Um, when we watch... get Bobby on the show, I'm going to tell him exactly that. Oh, he'd understand. He'd be like, <laughs> he would. Bobby would be you like, that. he would be like, this is why we leave when they do this. <laughs> When they, never listen to that shit. When they when they do whatever they do, um, Watchtower was good. Um, Addicts was good. Uh, Sugar Magnolia, like you said, fig. It was just kind of there, um, but it was way better than the encore of Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Um, just awful. Um, <laughs> it it seriously blows me away that they played. Like, you would think that they would be, like, they would know. We do not perform this song well. Mm. We have never performed this song well. Why the hell do they they keep doing it? And they're listless whenever they do try to play it. So it's not as if they're trying, like, okay, let's, you know, dig deep. This is Lucy. It's going to happen. Like, it's always just kind of them floating through. Yeah. Playing Lucy. It's... It doesn't need to happen. Like it's such a um, studio track too. Like it's the Beatles, Sgt. Pepper, psychedelic, you know, heyday. Like doesn't need to happen live in 1993 as an encore. It's just very strange. I I was reading through the Reddit comments earlier today, oh, yeah, and I believe right. and I do Thank believe you. someone posted that there was an influx of Beatles covers. Um, ah yes, kind of during this time frame. Where did they come from? Well, I think that. I think they hit it on the head. I think it's Vince. Do you think it was Vince? I do. Vince is a big part of it because he sings most of them. They had flirting with Beatles covers in the 80s. They did a Why Don't We Do It in the Road, a Get Back, a Day Tripper. That one's bad. Um, but yeah, it seems to be in the Vince era where they actually stick around for more than a show or two. And I yeah, do it's... think that that's a big Vince influence. <sighs> And it's weird, you know, they pick weird ones like I want to tell right. you or uh this like Lucy Hey Jude diamonds. Yeah, Hey Jude had been that I'm was that was one that was also in the Brent era. Right, but that was awesome. <laughs> I I, yeah, well, I, I don't remember the end of Hey Jude onto Dear Mr. Fantasy. I, I don't really remember the eighties um Beatles covers like um Oh, like the two you just referenced, Nob. Um, yeah. But those two, which literally just have just left my mind. Um, those at least... Get back and why don't we do it in the road? Yes. And those the- are at the least... Country. They're rockers. Yeah. Right? Like... Um, I don't know. Like, I, like, those songs to me are songs that a modern American rock band could cover and make them sound well. Like is or is the Grateful Dead, you know, that by the by you know, by the book? Not really. Um but at least they're like good cover. Could have nailed this Lucy in the sky with diamonds. 
Yeah, I don't. I just it's, just. it's such a. It's just. I don't know. Like, it's so. It's so like. Like it's like a garage band thing. Like yeah. Like it, it's yeah. a. It's like it's like a song that I would try to cover with my buddies like in junior high. Yeah. We gotta yeah. do Lucy. I don't know. It's about LSD. Did you know that? Anyway, let's let's continue on before I we bitch another twenty minutes about how terrible losing this guy of diamonds is. Um, let's go ahead and rate the Scarlet Fire this week. Um, Fig, what was your thoughts on this oh, week's Scarlet um, Fire? Uh, start off low, and it got to give it a six point five. Oh, yeah, but it started no. off. It started off at like a four. Okay, so. So yeah, we have a six point five from Fig. Nob, how about you? I specific. I had to go back and look at what I gave last week's Scarlet Fire, and I give that one a three. And I feel like I have to. I can't give it that much higher than that because I I didn't like it that much more. So I would probably go with a four. Um, I'm gonna go right in the middle. Five. Um, it was a an. I win. It was an incredibly average scarlet fire for me um i think i know the answers to this next question but we're gonna ask it anyway um but i'm gonna ask it in just a instead of going group person by person does this show make anybody's book of the dead um i did write down easy answers in my my big google doc of of great versions of individual dead songs so so this would be your book of easy answers answers. (laughs) the only entry in the book of easy answers it's more of a a pamphlet of easy answers Um, it's nothing more than a pamphlet which set would we like to feature this week um no i'll start with you yeah um I would say that the set I liked more is the one that I've already said I liked more. It's set one. Fig, set one or set two? God. All right. So just to preface everything, this was a good show. Like, I I really enjoyed the show. Um, Yeah, it had its highs, it had its lows. I I don't think in good conscience. Okay, Scarlet Fire was a lot of fun. That's really... But it's really top heavy on that set too. In good conscience, I don't think I can attach wow. set two to my podcast, our podcast, um, and and subject their listener to the sounds in in watching our um, could break their speakers. So in good conscience, I choose one. Yes, I'm going to have to agree. Um, Lucy in the sky with diamonds was just that awful. Um, that it out awfuled Vince's singing on Greatest Story Ever Told, and it out awfuled the same thing. Um, yeah, so that in and of itself, um, makes it a set one show for me. So, after this podcast wraps up, please make sure to stick around and listen to set number one of August 25th, 1993. Um, Show MVP. I'll kick this off. Um, hmm. Yeah. I don't. Week. This is a hard week. Um, it's definitely not going to be Vince. 
Uh, Jerry. I was gonna go Jerry. Yeah, Jerry didn't. <laughs> Jerry's a good default. Yeah, he didn't Whenever offend me. Think about it. Yeah, yeah, he didn't like offend me this week. It like, like yes, a couple instances of of uh, mushed playing and and forgotten words. Um, but that's the Jerry we know and love. So yeah, I'm gonna go Jerry. Fig, how about you? Oh, I'm gonna go Phil tonight. I just, I just, yeah, he was front and center in the mix. Made things a lot of fun. He was definitely on. It's a Phil night. And Knob. Yeah, I I considered Jerry, but Jerry's a little too on and off for me to give it to Jerry. Vince's keyboard contributions were really great, but his vocal contributions were not. So I, I think I'm going to steal your answer, Fig. I think I'm also going to say it was Phil for me. No stealing here. Oh, I will say that um, I just went on to Gold Bond's Twitter. Mm. And they haven't posted since 2022. <laughs> okay. So that that's your update. That's your gold bond update for the night. They um they're they're really missing out on uh There's a, that's a lot. I bet I bet sales have skyrocketed. From just old from old, old folks. Musicians. Old 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 deadheads who just want yeah. cool balls. <laughs> <laughs> um Reddit comments this week. We actually had a plenty. Um, I don't believe we have to read all of them. Uh, I think those last two are someone lost from the set list thread. Yes, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> um, Fig, do you want to go ahead and read the... Uh, I think we could probably just read the top one, no? Uh, yeah, I was trying to... Um, I'm trying to do the show title. Old Deadheads with Cool Balls? <laughs> who want Cool Balls? Alright, just just putting options out there. Um, work with oh, okay, yeah, Doc Man, yeah, so Doc Man. This was a really Doc cool Doc Man 427 because there are 426 oh, other Doc Mans on Reddit, obviously. Uh, they reached out and commented on the sticky thread, and uh, they start off with always love a good MST3K reference. And what they're referencing by that is that I refer to what we do um, each week, I put um, the weekly thread. Right there, it's stickied on the Grateful Dead subreddit. And in it, I describe what we do as MST3K for deadheads, essentially because everything is random and we have no control over the song that we listen to. That is the conceit of the project and the conceit of the podcast. So he's, uh, Doc Man is saying that they always love a good MST3K reference. Solid show. Touch was a little rough. Thank you. But everything after was on point. Always find found it interesting how many Beatles covers started popping up around this time. Always wondered if this was an idea of Vince's or whose. 1993 as a whole is an underrated year for the dead, in my opinion. Seeing and listening to Buckeye 93 on the GD YouTube channel really opened up how there was still really good shows post-Brent. The Vince Welnick show era is the era where I've really had to do my own exploration, as most will tell you to avoid it, especially 94 95, but I found the experience to be quite rewarding. Yeah, and I would agree with Doc Man and everything that they are saying. Um, and yeah, this is one of the cool things about doing this random project where, you know, I would not have listened to 825 93. I just wouldn't yeah. have done it, uh, let alone 94 95. But, you know, everything is randomized and we don't get to choose. And if the project tells us to listen to a show, we listen to it and we take the good with the bad. And sometimes, Hey, the bad is actually pretty damn good. So thanks for that comment. Doc man four, two, seven. Yes. Thank you very much. Doc man. 
Uh, let's go ahead and start getting ready to wrap up for this evening. Next week, we are featuring a going back to the good old days, December 2nd, 1981, oh, in Champaign, <laughs> Urbania, Illinois, at the Assembly Hall of the University of Illinois. Um, Truthfully, this just seems like a good 80s show. Yeah. Um, it looks yeah. delicious. Yeah, I have ooh, a passenger in the 81. I like that. Um, Bertha's opener. Bertha opener. Yeah, Bertha's yeah. greatest story is always a fun combo. Right. There's, Great. um, I don't see any offensive songs on this set list. No? Well, I guess never trust a woman, but. Eh, you're right. Yeah, but that's Brent, man. Yeah, hush, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hush, it's, hush a fun, it's a fun song. I got nothing against it. It's just called "Never Trust a Woman." <laughs> and I, that's and why I write it down as the Good Times Blues. Um, yeah. yeah it's never trust a woman who wears her pants too tight. It's a. Ve- it's not. About, it's I not anti women. Yes, it's, it's anti woman. It's, it's it's just against women with tight hair and pants. Pants that are just well. I mean, I, I think Brent would be astounded at the athleisure phrase. Uh, Brent, Brent would Brent would definitely change change the words. He'd be like, "You need to trust a woman to have their pants too tight. Trust if they me. if they have them loose, now we have to switch. It's twenty twenty three. We need to start switching up our thoughts here, Brent. Um, uh, yeah. So next week, December second, nineteen eighty one. This looks to be a treat. Uh, and hopefully it is. Um, sometimes these random shows look amazing on paper, and then they aren't. And sometimes they look god awful on paper, and they are amazing. So um, tune in to find out what we think of the show next week. Uh, as always, please go ahead and smash that subscribe button and like and share with any and all of your grateful dead loving friends and family you may find us at whatever websites or services or apps uh where podcasts are downloaded however there is a service that loosely rhymes with trick shotify that you will not find us on so if you use service that has a green icon that rhymes with Trick Shotify. You will not find us on that. However, you will find us on any other major podcast platform. As always, you may email us at helponthewaypod.podbean.com. Not email us. You can listen to us directly on the web at helponthewaypod.podbean.com. You may even you can you could certainly try. You're going to get a bounce back though. Now. Once you get that bounce back from that failed email, you can then correct that email and email us at helponthewaypod at gmail.com. And as always, you can communicate with us on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash Grateful Dead. Knob or fig, any parting words for our friends and family tonight? Uh, it's important to me to uh, state that this is episode number 69 of the Help on the Way podcast. Thank you all for tuning in for the last 69 episodes, and here's to 69 nice. more. Nice. Are we sure about that? That this is episode 69? Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm positive. Okay. Well, nice.
Thanks. Yeah, I I will always trust Knob with with those kind of yeah, things. Sure. <laughs> so. He's the bookkeeper. Yes. Um. So on that 69th note, on the 69th episode of the 69th podcast of the Help on the Way podcast. Wow, I got really focal there. Um, we thank you once again for listening, and please enjoy set one of August 25th, 1993 at the Shoreline Amphitheater. Good night, everybody. Thank you.
Just like I'm asleep tonight. 
the breath of air that you so unwind.
Quarterback in just a little bit.